Our Summer Friday today is going to be a little different. This is a conversation I had for Locked On Sports Today with my friend and journalist, Lindsay Schnell. She's been covering Title IX as part of an investigation series for USA Today. And you may be saying, this is a Packers podcast. This is a football show. And that's true. But I also think Title IX is an important topic, celebrating its 50-year anniversary this year. It is something that has impacts in football in all of college athletics, not just in the NFL by proxy. It is a conversation that I think is important to have. The investigations and the reporting that Lindsay and her colleagues have done is crucial to make Title IX work in the way that it is supposed to work and make athletics work for everyone. It is something that is very important to me personally. My wife got to play college golf in part because Title IX exists. She was in the first women's golf class at Drake University, a program that may not have been created if not for something like Title IX. Sports are important to me. If you listen to this podcast, I assume sports are important to you too, which makes Title IX something that we all have to think about. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats Your team. Oh. Every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. As I said at the top, Lindsay Schnell is on the show today, a longtime friend of mine and a terrific journalist. She's been working on this excellent series, and this is the full version of our conversation that we had for Locked On Sports today. Um, that show came out yesterday. If you missed it, um, and if you did miss it, go, go back and check it out, but you'll hear all of Lindsay's comments uh, on this show today. Before we get to Lindsay, today's episode brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. What else do I even need to say? Coconut Brownie is the best Built Bar flavor. You can have your other opinions and you can choose to be wrong. That's fine. Coconut Brownie now with the puff treatment. Unbelievable. It is incredible what this company has been able to do to make these things not only taste delicious, but be awesome for you with collagen protein that your body can absorb more readily. They are low calorie, they are low in sugar, and yet they taste incredible, covered in 100% real chocolate. It's it's sorcery, frankly. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And which NFL stars move the betting lines the most? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial 
assistance. Those were the words in Title IX originally that started a enormous change in college athletics and then high school athletics, athletics writ large in the United States. But that system has not always lived up to its calling, and that's why we are here today. Joining me now from USA Today, Lindsay Schnell. And Lindsay, you have been part of a reporting team that has done extensive work on Title IX, in particular Title IX in college athletics, where in particular, we have not been, as a nation, the NCAA has not been living up to this credo in, in a lot of different ways. Let's go back to the origination of this. This is the 50-year anniversary this year of Title IX. What was the original intention behind Title IX? Well, it had nothing to do with sports, which a lot of people are surprised to learn. I was actually surprised to learn that early in this project. Um, Title IX was created to help get more women into grad schools. Uh, at the time that it was passed, there were, in 1972, there was a huge gap between uh, men's enrollment in college and women's enrollment in college, specifically in grad schools. So they passed this. No one thought it was going to have anything to do with athletics. Athletic directors and football coaches caught on to it, pushed back initially, and then people in Congress said, no, no, you're going to follow the rules. And 50 years later, we have reached a point where women are all over TV, they're all over the media, female athletes, you know, their participation numbers have increased an insane percentage. Um, and I think they're still, in a lot of ways, like just getting started. And and one of the reasons for that is we're still seeing um, collegiate programs having to expand female programs because um, they were non-compliant. And and what I when when I went back and looked at all of this, I was I don't want to say I was surprised because I wasn't surprised, but I thought this was established and it was canon, it was law for a long time, except there was challenge after challenge into the 90s and even as recently as a couple of years ago when when the Trump administration with Betsy DeVos made changes to Title IX. This has not been some smooth process from 50 years past. That is absolutely accurate. First of all, to your point that you weren't surprised uh, when you talk to female athletes and coaches of women's teams, they say the same thing. Sedona Prince, the Oregon women's basketball player who, you know, showed the world via TikTok about the disparities between the NCAA men's and women's weight rooms during the 2021 NCAA tournament. She wrote something for us at the beginning of the tournament this year in 2022 and basically said, when you're a female athlete, you're used to this. You're never surprised to hear that you don't have as good a stuff as the men. They aren't spending as much money. You're not getting the opportunities. Um, it has been 50 years of incredible growth. But imagine what that growth would look like if someone in the government enforced Title IX once in a while. One of the biggest misconceptions about this law is that the NCAA has something to do with it. NCAA has nothing to do with Title IX. The NCAA does not enforce Title IX. Title IX is a federal law. The NCAA is a private entity that can do pretty much whatever it wants. And don't get me wrong, it's they're an easy scapegoat, especially when you talk about the problems in collegiate athletics. But what this comes down to is the Office of Civil Rights. They are the ones that investigate Title IX complaints. But a huge issue with Title IX, a former senior woman administrator that's the highest ranking woman in any collegiate athletic department, she said to me, 
the whole problem is it's always, you're always playing defense. No one's ever playing offense. Title nine comes up when people complain. People are not just adding women's teams. They're not just giving women's teams money. They're not creating more opportunities for their female students on campus. Someone has to complain about it first. We need to go back a second because the idea of Title IX for some people is this very opaque idea. And so the basic idea is if you receive federal funds, um, there has to be this idea of equal opportunity. And, and that's even, I think, giving it a little bit more credence than it maybe deserves, but that if you're going to have all of these, these uh, resources allocated to the men's program, there need to be resources to the ladies' programs as well. We know, as you mentioned in the example of, of the, the tournament, that's not happening. So you guys at USA Today have done this incredible series on um, ways that schools have been able to get around these provisions, in part because the enforcement mechanism is uh, feckless at best. Um, what has your um, research and reporting found about how schools have actually followed Title IX? So this is, to me, the craziest stat of Title IX. In 50 years of this federal law, which applies to any school that receives federal funds. So to be clear, that includes private schools also, because a lot of students get federal funds, federal scholarships to go to private schools. No one, no one has ever had funding taken away, has had funding denied. Like, I don't want to say this is a toothless law. That's probably taking it too far, but people do not fear Title IX. Um, what our reporting has found is that schools are spending more money on their male athletes when you break it down in terms of recruiting, facilities, um, even when you break it down into scholarship dollars, which that is like a glaring Title IX violation. Schools are not giving women the participation opportunities that they're supposed to. There's in with Title IX compliance, there's what's called a three-prong test. There's one of three ways you can show compliance. The safest harbor, which is how the Office of Civil Rights phrases it, is proportionality, which means that whatever your students, if you have 57% female enrollment at your school, you should have 57% female athletes. So to do that, you need to give women enough opportunities, right? And what our reporting has found is that school, it's 87% of FBS schools on average need to give women 104 more participation opportunities, which is roughly the size of a college football team. So a lot of people talk about Title IX. They sometimes complain that it's been bad for sports. It hasn't been bad for sports. Football is a double-edged sword. It's the best and worst thing in college sports. It funds a lot of stuff, but also we put most of our resources there, and that creates problems. If, if you go back to 1992, what is remarkable is you see that this is not a new problem. In fact, there was a, a study published that is a, a landmark study that found that fewer than half of women's teams have female coaches, that just 1% of men's teams have female coaches, and there were still major male-female salary discrepancies in, in almost all instances. That is quoting directly from this study. Lindsay, why have we not been able to bridge this gap in, in college athletics? 
Well, first of all, we have closed the gap a lot. I think that that's worth pointing out. You know, this year, Don Staley, South Carolina women's basketball coach, one of the most decorated people in women's basketball is both a player and a coach, led her team to their second NCAA title, got pay equity at the University of South Carolina. Now, this was before they fired Frank Martin, so that kind of messed things up. But, you know, she's being paid the same as the man uh, who's coaching a basketball team at that university. That's huge. Um, The WNBA, you know, because when we talk about this, we have to talk about professional sports. They've made huge leaps. Their new CBA, you know, with the the max salary in the WNBA is a lot more than it used to be. Is it what it is in the NBA? No. Um, When you look at what Mike Krzyzewski was making at Duke, is that what Kara Lawson is making at Duke? No. But... Part of what we have to talk about with this, and this came up a lot during the NCAA tournament fiasco uh, that the NCAA brought on themselves, was that the men's basketball is considered a revenue generator, men's basketball and football for the most part. But the reason that women's basketball is not a revenue generator is because of how the TV package was sold. When you separate out women's basketball, because right now women's basketball is sold in a package with every other college sport. So think the College World Series, the Women's College World Series, uh, probably track and field, lacrosse, like everything goes in one package. If you pull women's basketball out, which we know is growing in popularity every year, they're going to be able to make money. And then that money goes back to schools. Right now, there's no revenue sharing within women's college sports. Like there is, again, with college men's college basketball and then also college football, which is completely separate because of the playoff, but still the bottom line is schools are getting money back. So we've made big strides, but I think that a big part of why it's not equal yet, and you could argue not even close to it, is because of what I said earlier that people don't fear Title IX. You know, what happens when anyone can lodge a Title IX complaint? You can, I can, anyone listening to this podcast can log into the Office of Civil Rights and say, I think that State University, 40 miles down the road from me, is out of Title IX compliance. Then eventually they get investigated. Well, what happens is OCR comes in and they hold State University's hand through making a plan together to get Title IX compliant. They have a few years. No one is ever scared unless they get sued. So, and and they only worry about getting sued because of potentially losing money, right? It always comes down to the bottom line. So what we need is this to be, I, I think the law needs to be updated. Um, I think that everyone, including the people in Congress, need to understand that the NCAA doesn't enforce Title IX. It's Congress that enforces Title IX. It's the federal government. It's hard because the Department of Education and the Office of Civil Rights overall, very understaffed, you know, so it's a layered issue. But I have said at multiple points throughout this project, which is still ongoing, and I hope people go read our series, which is called Falling Short at 50, because as many gains as we've made, there are still problems. What I have said at multiple points throughout this project, and I hope people go read our project at usatoday.com, Title IX, Falling Short at 50. We have multiple stories. We have more stories coming. What I have said is that every time a university was out of compliance, if they lost a football scholarship for a year, every problem would be fixed immediately. (laughs) So in the event that someone from the Office of Civil Rights is listening to this podcast right now, maybe they take that idea up the chain. 
solutions is something that I, I really am interested in. And, and I think that's a great one, by the way. Um, one of the, the nuggets from your reporting that I just thought was gobsmacking to me was there were schools that were flat out lying about where these scholarships were going, saying they were going to female student athletes when they weren't. So if, if schools are not even going to be honest about where not just the money, but the scholarships that, that need the money are going, how do we make any sort of inroads in, in creating the kind of equity and equality that this law set out to create? So what you're talking about is our story on roster manipulation, where we examine the three common ways that schools artificially inflate their rosters to make it appear that they have more female athletes than they do. A great example is they count male practice players. Most women's basketball Division one women's basketball programs across the country use male practice players for a lot of different reasons. They have anywhere from like seven to 12 guys. Uh, the University of Michigan had some in the 20s. It was crazy. So the Department of Education allows schools to count those male practice players as female athletes. It is written into the bylaws. That is such a simple fix. Congress could fix that when you talk about solutions. And what's what's crazy is that it's written in there that you can do it, but not everyone does, right? Because other schools recognize like this is not real. This is not really a female athlete. Also, I just have to tell you that the male practice players have no idea this is happening because we've called a lot of them and talked to them about it. And they were surprised to learn they were being considered a woman in their school's official count. So that's a really small thing that Congress could fix with the snap of their fingers. Now, I understand that the snap of your fingers when you're in Congress is still like probably at least a month long process, but still, and also I don't think this is, you know, uh, a divisive issue. I think both sides of the aisle would agree that we want to give young women opportunities. So that's something that you could fix. But again, it goes back to, if you know you can break the rules and get away with it, why would you stop? And this is something that I think if you mentioned this earlier, the NCAA does not enforce Title IX. Technically, the federal government enforces Title IX. The NCAA can't even effectively enforce their own rules. And so if the NCAA can't do that, how can we possibly get to a place, Lindsay, where Title IX is being effectively enforced? Technically, universities, they have compliance officials they they pay people to make sure they're in compliance but as you and I know who have followed these things over the years and covered these things know that there's a lot of winks and nods and and things that go on in in those kinds of circumstances so from a a governmental standpoint what can what can we do what can our elected officials do to make sure that there is some teeth in title 9 so this is actually something that Congress has been talking about. Um, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, who's very, a very outspoken critic of the NCAA in general, um, a big college sports fan. He's always like talking about the UConn women's basketball team. Um, he is planning to propose uh, new legislation. And one of the pieces of that legislation would be figuring out how to make the NCAA have to play along to the Title IX rules because it's weird to think about, okay, the federal government funds these colleges 
And then these colleges, their governing body doesn't have to play by the same rules. So it's it's a strange it's a strange setup. Now, lawyers that are smarter than me allegedly are working on how they could fix this. I think that it could get really problematic to try to make a private entity follow this federal law if they're not receiving federal funds. But again, the point that all the schools are receiving federal funds, there's something there. But I think that we, you know, they can propose legislation, whether it's new legislation, whether it's updating Title IX. We've updated other pieces of legislation throughout you know, the history of our country. Um, one thing is that, you know, President Biden has come out and he's made some executive, uh, announced some executive orders surrounding Title IX. We've seen that. I think that kind of the next phase of Title IX, because it also protects you from sexual harassment, sexual assault, is going to be protection for transgender students. So it's a matter, I, I think one of the biggest disconnects is we have a lot of lawmakers who have no idea who, how college sports work, uh, not even a little bit. <laughs> so, I but I do believe you know Representative Lori Trahan, who is from Massachusetts, I think uh, she was a Division One volleyball player at Georgetown. Um, she gets it. Chris Murphy, Chris Murphy gets it. People are passionate about this. They want young women to have opportunities. Again, this is both sides of the aisle. So. I'm going to choose to be optimistic that it can get better. But again, unless a bottom line is affected, schools aren't going to change. But if they, but at the very least, Congress could change that EADA rule that allows you to count male practice players. Easy fix. Easy fix. Let's start there. You know, change happens like incrementally. You're so right. Lindsay, thank you so much for, for giving us so much insight on, on today's show. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting us talk about this. It's a really important topic. All right. I want to thank Lindsay for joining the show. Always great to talk to her. Um, she didn't technically join Locked On Packers. She joined Locked On Sports today, but she still joined me. We still had a conversation. I hope it was a conversation that, that you enjoyed and then you found useful. I know it was a conversation I enjoyed and I found useful. I told you at the beginning of our Summer Friday series, we might have some guests who are not really going to talk football. And as Lindsay mentioned, this impacts football. Nothing matters more in college athletics than football because of the money it generates. So this is, this is something that I think should be on all of our radar, which is part of the reason why I put this in our show today. Before we finish up, today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to find. All of the things gambling related that you need, MMA, boxing, golf, there's NFL futures, there's NBA futures, a ton of great stuff on the website right now. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Go make your second listen, Locked On NFL. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. All right, we've got three shows coming up next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We've got a, a Monday after that preview show 
um, with with Lily Zhao, our our training camp preview show um, already in the books. So keep an eye out for all of that good stuff. I'm going to be on vacation, but uh, we're still going to be pumping out shows, still going to be bringing you that sweet, sweet content that you crave. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.